day and welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. This podcast brings you the sermon series, The Teachings of Jesus Christ the King, Part 5, the eschatological discourse on the end of the present age. This is a 12-part series considering the teachings of Jesus from chapter 23 through 25 from the Gospel of Matthew. In this last teaching block of the five in Matthew's Gospel, we find Jesus teaching in the week of the Passion, the time of his trial and crucifixion. As he comes closer to the cross, his teaching turns to the end times, moving from teaching in the temple precincts to the Mount of Olives and a need to always be watchful. Thanks for joining us on this podcast and now be encouraged to respond to God's word and be challenged by our Lord Jesus Christ. But before the word from God, we will lead you in a time of prayer. You are an amazing God, a God who answers prayers, a God who cares for his children, a God who goes searching for the lost and the abandoned. We thank you and praise you as your children. We come to you calling Abba, Father. We lift our hearts to you in adoration. We are humbled by your love and compassion for us, for your grace and forgiveness. Lord, we don't always notice the things we say or do which grieve you. Instead, we focus on what the world thinks of what we say and do. Forgive us, Lord, when we have put others before you, when we have been proud and self-righteous, when we have considered ourselves better than others. Reveal to us our true guilt that we may, be, that we may repent and be restored. We accept your forgiveness and give thanks for the atoning blood of Jesus Christ that we might come before you covered in his righteousness. Following that time of prayer, I hope your hearts are prepared and open to receive from God's word wherever you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from God's word, all the sermon challenges you and maybe raises questions. Or if you want to know more about the Christian faith and getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ, then please get in touch via our website or through the office. Details are in our show notes. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. Details to support us financially can be found on the homepage of the website, clicking through our Support Us with Stewardship icon. Now, over to our preacher. Good morning, and our reading continues in Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read verses 29 to 35 this morning. Jesus is speaking here. Immediately after the distress of those days, 
The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. May God indeed bless the, the reading of Jesus' words there to all our hearts this morning. So this morning we are continuing to look at Jesus' prophetic message in Matthew 24. It's a Wednesday. It's Jesus' final week before the crucifixion. And on this particular day, he went to the temple and pronounced the final judgment on the religious leaders of Israel, publicly branding them as hypocrites who, in the name of God, lead others astray. Then he left the temple area and with his disciples found a place to sit on the slopes of the Mount of Olives. It's there that while looking across the valley at the temple and the city of Jerusalem that Jesus gave his disciples a warning of what was to come after he returned to heaven. His message is a warning of a long delay before he comes back and of difficult times for the church. So when the disciples comment about the beauty of Herod's temple, Jesus says, the day is coming when the temple will be destroyed and not one stone here will be left on another. And when the disciples hear that prediction, they, they ask, when, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Because in their minds, these two events were tied together, the destruction of the temple and the, the coming of Jesus at the end of the age. Jesus doesn't directly answer the first question, when? And he skips over at least 2,000 years to discuss the events surrounding his second coming. His teaching here is full of prophecy part of which has been fulfilled and part remains to be fulfilled. But his main focus is on events that are still future to us today. One fulfilled part, of course, is the destruction of the temple and the city of Jerusalem by the Romans in A.D. 70. 
only 40 years after Jesus died, and that resulted in the end of the Jewish age. The unfulfilled part is his second coming and the winding up of the state of things under which we now live today. The second coming of Jesus Christ is an event which is still to come, and we may live to see it. Jesus had prophesied the destruction of the temple. His disciples associated that with the end of the world, and now in this discourse, he patiently told them not to confuse the two events in case they were led astray by false teachers. And they must also recognize the possibility that they might have to face prolonged suffering for the sake of the gospel. And in particular, Jesus was concerned to teach the disciples that it was their responsibility to bring the gospel to all peoples. But make no mistake, Jesus clearly predicts his eventual return to earth. In our passage today, Matthew 24, 29 to 35, describes a literal, physical return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself had declared in John 14, verse 3, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And when he ascended into heaven, the angels promised the disciples, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus Christ is coming back again. By that we mean that Jesus himself, this same Jesus, is coming back to earth physically, visibly, bodily, and personally. The same Jesus who was born in Bethlehem is coming again. The same Jesus who turned water into wine and who walked on water is coming again. The same Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead is coming again. The same Jesus who was whipped and beaten and scourged and mocked and put to death on Mount Calvary is coming again. The same Jesus who rose from the dead on Easter Sunday morning is coming. And the same Jesus who ascended into heaven is coming again. That's what we mean when we see that Jesus is coming again. The actual historical person who lived over 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world is returning to earth one more time. And verses 29 to 31 describe this return of Jesus. And in them we discover the, the precise circumstances that surround this great event. Verse 29, immediately after the distress of those days, what Lee was preaching about last week, immediately after, that's after and not before, after the distress or the tribulation of these days, 
Jesus had just finished warning the disciples about the Antichrist who will commit this abomination that causes desolation, leading to a time of trouble never before seen on the earth. When those days have come to their climax, then Jesus will return again. And Jesus mentions some specific cosmic signs of his return. He says, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. These are literal events that will happen. The sun somehow will be darkened. The moon will therefore vanish from sight. Stars will disappear from the skies. So immediately before Jesus returns, the gravitational field of the universe will be altered somehow, causing the stars and the the planets to veer off from their God-appointed courses. And the disruption of the heavenly bodies will have obviously an effect upon the earth as volcanoes erupt as earthquakes cause the land to heave and shake and great tidal waves sweep across the coasts. In Luke's account, Jesus says that men will faint from terror and nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. This will be the most amazing event in world history and no one will miss what's happening and what is about to happen. Now, of course, it's not just Jesus who tells us of these earth traumas. Prophets from the Old Testament have foretold them. For instance, Joel in chapter 2 says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And Isaiah describes the same event using similar language in Isaiah 13. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. These and many more passages agree with the words of Jesus that some force from heaven will create these tremendous events and will introduce the final act in the drama of civilization as we know it. All these things are signs of divine judgment. They're God's way of confronting a rebellious world and saying, you wanted nothing to do with me and I let you have your own way. You followed the Antichrist, you gave him your allegiance. World, you made the wrong choice. The day of judgment has finally come. And then and only then the Son of Man appears and all his mighty angels with him. And this, this is the climax of history, the appearing of Jesus Christ as the Lord in great power and in great glory. 
Verse 30, at that time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. This violent upheaval in nature is followed immediately by the sign of the Son of Man in the heavens and the visible appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ of all, on all the earth. In verse 27 of our chapter, Jesus tells us his final coming will be as instantaneous and as universally seen as a flash of lightning across the sky. No one, but no one will miss the most dramatic event in all history when it occurs. It will not happen secretly everyone will actually see Jesus in the skies. It's not a silent appearing, not something that takes place in a corner, but a bold, triumphant revelation. First time Jesus came, he came unnoticed into the world, born in a stable in Bethlehem. The second time, he will come back as King of Kings, Lord of lords, and every eye will see him, as John tells us in Revelation 1, verse 7. And in 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul speaks of a time when the Lord Jesus is, as he said, revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now, this is exactly what Daniel describes in chapter 7 of his prophecy. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. The day is coming when the whole world will see Jesus as he really is. And when that happens, as Paul writes in Philippians 2, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. He will come in royal dignity with the armies of heaven around him to be known, to be recognized, to be feared and revered by all peoples of the earth. He came the first time to bear our sins, to suffer, to be accursed, to be despised, rejected, unjustly condemned and killed. The second time he will come to reign, to put down every enemy under his feet. Jesus, of course, also speaks here of coming to gather his chosen people. Verse 31, he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to another. Once Jesus returns to earth, 
he will send his angels and gather his elect. The elect are the true believers in Jesus that are found in every country and in every culture. God has his chosen people in this world, those who have repented of their sins and believed the gospel. So the Lord's people will be safe when judgment falls on the earth. So the true Christian can look forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus without fear. Those who are not his will be left to face the judgment of the day of the Lord. So Jesus goes on in verses 32 to 33, and he says, Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Of course, everybody knows that when the trees begin to bud, it's an infallible indication that summer is near, nothing, but nothing is going to stop it. And the leaves appear on the trees, summer is certain to come. In the same way, he says, the coming of the Lord Jesus will be preceded by a whole series of events. Some of them are mentioned in Matthew 24, some in the Old Testament, still others in the book of Revelation. Those events will be so strikingly obvious that they will not be missed. Just as leaves appearing on the trees are a sign of the approach of summer, so there will be signs of the approach of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. And what the Lord means is that as history unfolds and it becomes apparent that the world is heading to the conditions that he describes then, Mankind can be sure that his coming is near. When you see things beginning to move in this direction, then you know the Lord Jesus is drawing near, so near, in fact, that Jesus says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away before all these things take place. That's once it starts, it will be over within a generation. So Jesus is saying to you and me and our generation today, take note of what is happening. Watch the signs of your generation. Recognize the significance of world events. We're about 2,000 years since Jesus spoke these prophetic words, and you can judge for yourselves whether or not the world is approaching these events. And it's important that you notice the signs of your own times. What signs? What to look for? Well, Matthew 24, four, verses 4 and 5, widespread spiritual deception. Verses 6 and 7, increasing international conflict. Verses 7 and 8, recurring natural disasters. Verse 9, fierce persecution of Christians. Verses 10 and 12, widespread apostasy, falling away from the faith. And in verses 13 and 14, worldwide evangelism. Now these things, these signs 
they're present in every generation. But the pace of events will increase as we approach the last days. And that's the meaning of the beginning of the birth pains reference in verse 8. We know that the nearer the birth of a baby, the more frequent and the more intense the birth pains become until the baby is eventually born. Well, in the same way, Jesus says, once these birth pains start in human history, they'll become more frequent. They'll become more intense. So while all these signs will be with us in every generation, there will be an increase in pace and in intensity as we approach the closing of this age. And it's that increasing flow of events that we should look for as we anticipate the coming of our Lord. Every Christian should observe the events of their own day. We should note the upsurge in superstition and the occult and the rise of new and subtle forms of deceitful religion. We should note the rapid spread of lawlessness and contempt for authority. When a child can say to a parent or a teacher, you can't punish me, it's against the law. We should note the breakdown of family life and the disintegration of the very fabric of society. But we should also look for the increase in evangelism in the world. In the last days before Jesus comes, the world will seem to disintegrate before our eyes. The world systems in which we've placed so much confidence will utterly fail and chaos will spread across the world. So we need to listen to what Jesus says, not to what others say. And that's why Jesus gives us his own infallible promise. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The heavens and earth will pass away, as solid, as permanent as they appear, but his words will not pass away. In other words, this is absolutely certain to happen. History is going to end this way. What we count on today as the most dependable thing we know, tomorrow's sun to rise, or there being a future, Jesus says that will stop, that will pass away. But his, pass, his words will not pass away. They will be fulfilled. And that's a wonderful promise, a guarantee to every generation. This universe which, well, everything in it represents stability to us, it is not eternal. The universe had a definite beginning and will have a definite ending. It exists because God called it into being, and it will pass away whenever God says the word. The prophet Isaiah, chapter 51, says, For the heavens will vanish like smoke, and the earth will wear out like a garment. They who dwell in it will die in like manner, but my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will not be dismayed. And Jesus tells John in Revelation 22, verse 1, that then there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. The words of Jesus stand 
forever. Every word will be fulfilled. He will return just as he promised. He said he would come back, and he will. He never breaks his promises. This is the one who came to open blind eyes, and he did. He declared he would give his life as a ransom for many, and he did. He said he would rise again from the dead, and he did. Now, he says, he will come again. Do you believe him? Jesus Christ is coming back to the earth. He may come soon. He may indeed come today. Are you ready? You see, when Jesus speaks about the future, his words are meant to change the way that we live in the present. The Bible does not give us this information about the second coming just to stir up our curiosity. So how should we live in the light of this imminent return of the Lord Jesus? Well, Jesus is saying, be alert. The last days will be a time of confusion, spiritual delusion. And he says, don't be sucked in by the Antichrist spirit that's already in the world. That spirit that tries to make us think that sin's not really sinful and that there's no such thing as right and wrong and also encourage us Christians to be silent when we ought to be speaking out. Be bold. This is no time for compromise. In times like these, Christian, you ought to be bold and open in your faith. You should become passionate about winning the lost to Jesus. The truth that Jesus will come back again, and only for those who know Jesus as their Savior, they need to hear They need to hear. Peter tells his readers, the Lord is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. They need to hear, but there will be an end to God's patience. And on that day when his patience ends, these things will be fulfilled. Events may be drawn out by God in his patience, or they may accelerate rapidly. We who are Christians should rejoice in the knowledge that Jesus is coming again for all those who believe in him and have made him their Lord. Evil times are coming, but we should not be afraid. We are joined by faith to the victor, the Lord Jesus. If Jesus were to come back today, are you ready to meet him? Are you ready? If not, it's it's time you were. If you say, I hope so, or I'm not sure, 
you really are not ready at all. If you do not know him as your Savior, you are definitely not ready to meet him. But you can be ready. You can be ready by trusting him as your Savior and your Lord today. Tomorrow, it may be too late. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that at this very moment we may experience your living presence in our hearts. We don't need to wait until some future day in order to know the glory of your presence. But we long for the day when the whole earth shall know your presence in power and in glory. But in the meantime, we're glad that we can say with that deep and personal meaning, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Worship Podcast from the team at GMC. Again, if you'd like more details of who we are, what we believe, and how we serve, then visit our website at gillespiechurch.org, find us on Facebook, or look back at some of our videos on our YouTube channel. Just search Gillespie Memorial Church. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page on our website or by calling the office. Details are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our work with a financial donation, then offerings can be made by clicking the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production of GMC, including the pastors and the tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wiggle, and the soundtrack is Up to the Mood by Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless.